Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Let's get all the latest in news. Ed Baxter is covering everything for us from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Israel promising a ground component to its war against Hamas. Timing is the issue. Now, Iran calling a a spread of the war inevitable. That is Iran, a signal it is preparing. And Bloomberg's Oliver Crook in Tel Aviv says already some of those components. There's also a tension that's splitting to the north, where there have been increased skirmishes with Lebanon. We understand that the Israeli government has now evacuated evacuated all of the civilians on the border with Lebanon two kilometers out. So this is the other question that we're watching. And of course, the U.S. response has been to send a second um, aircraft carrier unit into the region to, again, try to step up the deterrence a little bit more. Meanwhile, Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Horduren says President Biden still thinking about making another trip to Israel. This will be a huge deterrence for the region about the U.S.'s president. It also comes at a time that the U.S. is sec- sending a second carrier strike group to the eastern Mediterranean. We should not overlook the timing of all of this. So potentially the president could go as soon as this week. But Jonathan, we should note no decision has been made. And Anne-Marie says uh, there are back channels between the U.S. and Iran working. And day-to-day life in Tel Aviv is very tense. CTV correspondent Adrian Gobriol describes events earlier today on Bloomberg. Just about 15 minutes ago, we were running for cover because air raid sirens were sounding yet again here in Tel Aviv. Uh, there was about, I believe, uh, three eight separate air raid sirens throughout central eastern Tel Aviv throughout the afternoon today. Uh, and so in one word, it's unpredictable. He says restaurants are closed. Supermarkets lightly traveled, and for the most part, people are hunkering down at home. And a warning going out today from doctors about the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Gabriel Anauman, who is with Doctors Without Borders, says no water means tragedy. We need to have water installed back to the entire Gaza Strip, not only to the south, but to everyone. He says uh, food and electricity are major problems. So, again, timing the big question of when Israel goes in on the ground. Republican nominee for House Speaker Jim Jordan says there will be vote tomorrow and that he has picked up critical support. It's not about pressuring anybody. It's just about we got to have a speaker. You can open the House and do the work of the American people and help our dearest and closest friend Israel if you don't have a speaker. So we get the speaker. We, we get the house open and we get to work on uh, the resolution. Now, Jordan picked up support from Armed Services Chair Mike Roberts and Wagner, who sits on the Foreign Affairs Committee as well. And Jonathan Tamari, a Bloomberg reporter, says Jordan is getting much, much closer. He has gotten a lot closer today than he was when you spoke to Congressman Heizenga at the end of last week. Mm. Uh, we have seen numerous mainstream Republicans, who had, even the number of people who have been very resistant to Jim Jordan, come out and say they've had conversations with him, they've had assurances, they're now supporting him. 
And uh, there's also been pressure campaign from conservative wing of the party, as well as the fact that Jim Jordan is the Trump pick. And speaking of Trump, the judge in the January 6th trial in D.C. has slapped a limited gag order on him. Uh, Bloomberg Zoe Tillman starts uh, starting here. Starting out more narrowly tailored and say the consequence for pushing the limit too far is to restrict him further in what he can say about the case. Um, you know, I've talked with sources who have been on the bench before who have said there can be things like monetary sanctions, you know, a daily fine. Now, it leaves him to be able to attack his political opponents. So we'll see what Trump does with that. Global News powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Our Brian. Ed, thanks very much. We will be looking very closely at this story all throughout the program. Interesting developments with Israel's defense. Minister saying expect a long war. We'll put that to our guest, Alex Trayman, coming up, the Jerusalem bureau chief at the Jewish News Syndicate, and also looking at Russian President Vladimir Putin getting involved, talking to Egypt and Iran and Syria and the Palestinian Authority, and the impact on markets. We had a positive day today. Why? That's all coming up. Now, in the top angles, the Palestinian envoy to China has asked Beijing to play a role in ending the war. Ambassador Fariz Madawi cited moves that are currently underway by Western officials in trying to prevent a spillover in the Middle East. Here's Madawi speaking earlier with Bloomberg. We need to stop what's going on. It's, uh, people are dying and uh, we, we, we need to address this situation. It's the obligation of the international community. We are urging, not only Palestinians, but the all Arab countries are urging everybody. We need a joint, coordinated efforts really to make this happen. Madawi did not specify exactly how Beijing could try to play a role in the war. In the war, however, his comments are the latest in a chorus of voices looking for Beijing to step up its efforts. Over the weekend, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken had urged China to use its influence to prevent other actors from entering the conflict. Paul? Well, Apple's new iPhone 15 appears to be selling far worse in China than the earlier generation. Separate studies are pointing to essentially weak consumption. Counterpoint research says over the first 17 days of release, sales of the new iPhone were down 4.5% compared with the release of the iPhone 14. Meantime, analysts over at Jefferies believe iPhone 15 sales were down double digit as Huawei outsold Apple. Here's Bloomberg's Alex. Web. We have seen a, a slowing of sales in China. It's not really dropped significantly, but if you look at trailing 12-month sales, there has certainly been a flattening. The key question is whether this is to do with a sort of resurgence of Chinese nationalism and a real gusto going behind Huawei's new headline device, which may not be able to um, sell, maybe able to manufacture that many units, mm-hmm. but is that something that's taking chunks out of Apple? Or secondly, is it just the Chinese economy? And if it's just the Chinese economy, then if that economy recovers, Apple will recover too. That is Bloomberg's Alex Webb. By the way, shares in Apple were a little changed today here in New York. Brian? All right. Thanks very much, Doug. Well, China is kicking off its third Belt and Road Forum today in Beijing with geopolitical tensions hanging over the gathering. We get more now from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. 
President Xi Jinping's big project faces a degree of criticism from developing nations heavily laden with debt. The event has attracted dignitaries from around the world, including Russian President Vladimir Putin. A meeting between Xi and Putin may gather more attention than the forum itself. The meeting will aim to further strengthen ties between China and Russia. That's as the two try to distance themselves from U.S. pressure. The Belt and Road Initiative suffered a blow last month after Italy told China it intends to quit. The forum runs today through tomorrow. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Radio. Today, there was a wild swing in the price of Bitcoin. That story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. The largest digital asset was whipsawed after a false report circulated that the U.S. had approved a long-awaited exchange-traded fund. BlackRock said that its application for an ETF that invests directly in cryptocurrency is still under review. The episode suggests there remains a lot of excitement and hope for a spot Bitcoin product in the U.S., which regulators in the past have refused to allow. The Securities and Exchange Commission previously cited market manipulation, among other reasons, for not granting an endorsement. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Radio. So again, the Bitcoin price topping 30000 at one point, now holding at 28443 Meantime, some of the biggest U.S. banks, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley, are scheduled to report earnings this week. We get more from Bloomberg's Sri Natarajan. Those three also happen to be the three worst performing big bank stocks. Slightly different dynamics with Bank of America. You'd be looking at where, what are they saying about the economy? What are they saying about loan losses? Because that's what we heard from JP Morgan and Wells Fargo. Despite improving their NII outlook, JP, Wells, and even Citigroup talked about loan losses increasing on the forward. With Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, however, all the commentary and all the focus will be where are they seeing the rebound in investment banking activity will 2024 look way better than where it is right now because when they report their third quarter results investment banking results will still be depressed and perhaps that's a reason for why the stocks both at goldman sachs and morgan stanley are down about nine and ten percent this year that's bloomberg's three natarajan bank of america and goldman sachs report earnings tomorrow morgan stanley then on wednesday Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to Alex Trayman, Jerusalem Bureau Chief at Jewish News Syndicate. Alex, thanks very much for being with us. So Israel says prepare for a long war. Is that good news or bad news for civilians? Does it mean a more careful war by the IDF? Well, the, the terror jihad that has been uh, on Israel's borders in the south with Hamas and also to Israel's north with Hezbollah and even with inside Israel uh, in Judea and Samaria, commonly known as the West Bank, and even inside uh, Israeli cities, is, uh, it's, it's a very complex threat, and it will take time to go inside of uh, booby-trapped cities inside of Gaza and to extract 
uh, try to extract hostages and at the same time to take out Hamas's terror leadership and to completely diminish their military capacity. I don't see any way in which IDF could uh, obliterate that threat uh, and change the name of the game uh, in just a very short period of time. Uh, Alex, of course, people in Israel are used to living in the shadow of these sorts of threats, uh, less so a conflict of the scale, though. So what's the mood on the ground in Jerusalem right now and in Israel more broadly? Well, there's a lot of tension. Uh, Israel's been under rocket fire for over a week. Uh, In Jerusalem, we were forced to run into the bomb shelters after air raid silence, and we heard uh, booms over the, the city, uh, and there was even a, a strike uh, not far from uh, the outskirts of Jerusalem, and, and Jerusalem's been one of the quieter places. Uh, also, a major tension because uh, over 300,000 troops have been amassed uh, surrounding the, the Gaza envelope, and uh, every Israeli knows somebody, uh, has, a, has a, a brother, a sister, a daughter, uh, a father, uh, that is uh, called up to duty, uh, and there's uh, a lot of tension because the ground operation has been imminent now for several days, and it continues to remain on hold. Uh, so there, there's a little bit of uncertainty about what is actually going to take place, even from Israel's side, in the coming days. We heard that Russian President Vladimir Putin spoke with the leaders of Egypt and Iran and, and Syria and the Palestinian Authority and, and said that it was unanimous that a ceasefire was needed. We talked with one of your colleagues yesterday who said there is no way Israel would agree to a ceasefire now. Uh, is that based in fact or is it possible? Well, first of all, I think it's humorous that uh, Vladimir Putin is the one calling for a ceasefire. Uh, you know, that's, it's, we live in an ironic, uh, in an ironic age, uh, yeah. but I don't think that a ceasefire is possible right now uh, because the, the Israeli uh, core has been shaken, uh, and there's absolutely no way that uh, the IDF and the Israeli leadership and, quite frankly, the Israeli people are going to live with a scenario which Hamas can uh, infiltrate our borders uh, kidnap uh, 1,300, uh, sorry, a uh, murder of 1,300 Israelis, uh, kidnap and take hostage over 200 more, and that uh, Israel will just suffice with a few bombings over a couple of days and allow Hamas to uh, just rearm for the next battle. Uh, yeah, and to that point, I mean, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that the plan was to wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. But is that possible, considering the leadership of Hamas doesn't actually even live in Gaza? I think that it's completely possible to diminish uh, Hamas's entire military capability to take out uh, as much of the senior leadership as possible. I think you're correct you know, that uh, Hamas's Top leaders don't live inside of uh, Gaza, and you know, international efforts, including efforts by Israel's own Mossad, uh, might be taken in order to, to try to target uh, Hamas's leadership. I don't think Hamas's leadership should consider themselves uh, safe anywhere at this point. Israel has said that it has opened up a, a safe corridor in the central part of Gaza uh, for residents up in the north to to get to the south. Uh, tell us about how that is moving and, you know, how many more people need to get out who haven't already left. Well, hundreds of thousands 
people from northern Gaza already reported moving to the south, heeding the warnings of the idea. Uh, there were reports that Hamas itself was setting up robots trying to prevent the movement of Gazan residents southward, and there were even reports, though, remain unconfirmed, that Hamas actually opened fire on individuals trying to move south. Uh, and it seems pretty clear that Hamas is hoping uh, that uh, Gazans will remain in place and that uh, they will become victim of IDF air raids uh, in order to uh, increase the death tolls and, and to, to, which would increase the dramatic pressure on Israel to stop its operation. Uh, tell us about what's happening in the north of Israel at the moment, up by the border with Lebanon. Sure. Well, there's been a cross-border fighting uh, for several days. Uh, just yesterday, anti-tank missiles were fired into Israeli territory, killing one civilian. Uh, there's been mortar shells fired back uh, from uh, Hezbollah into into northern Israel, which has been returned uh, by uh, IDF fire uh, at strategic points near the border. Uh, so there's been a few... Uh, there's been uh, also a drone was sent uh, a few days ago and was uh, down to the Israeli city of Svat. So we're already in a low-level conflict between Israel and, and Hezbollah, and there's definitely the worry that all it takes is, is one trigger-happy uh, Hezbollah yeah. militant uh, to turn this into a wide-scale yeah. conflict. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.